0: in James uh, vital Christianity is the name of our series and um, appropriately so because this book is so full of good stuff uh, and I'm excited to be in uh, still in chapter 1 verses 13 through 16 so let's jump in and let's read read James 1 13 through 16 let no one say when he is tempted I am tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. There is a ton of great wisdom in this passage and a tremendous opportunity for us to go to deep places if we will grab a hold of this truth And and we will let it just penetrate our lives and expand inside of it. So let's, let's let's just read that again. We're just going to read verses 13 through 15 again. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So let's tackle this piece by piece. Let's tackle this first part first. I am tempted by God. I am tempted by God. Verse 13 starts by saying, let no one say this when he is tempted. I am being tempted by God. You guys, why is it so easy? And why does it come so naturally for us to blame others? To blame obstacles, people, people, And God. Why is that so often our default? To blame someone or something else. Now, don't get me wrong, we have amazing arguments, truly remarkable arguments, such as, it's not my fault. It's God's fault. God really likes that one. Or, I couldn't help it. I'm not the one doing it. Everyone's doing it. It was just a mistake. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. How about this one? The devil made me do it. Young people. I was pressured into it. I didn't know it was wrong. I just didn't know it was wrong. God is tempting me when I hear these remarkable excuses. It reminds me of a scene from an 80s movie, the 1980 movie uh, Blues Brothers. <laughs> Yeah. How many of us have given those big old puppy dog eyes to the Lord? A person who makes excuses, and makes excuses for their sin, and makes excuses for falling and giving into temptation, is trying to shift the blame from himself or herself onto something or something else. A Christian, on the other hand, who accepts responsibility for his or her wrongs, takes responsibility for them, confesses them, repents of them, receives the Lord's forgiveness. James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. So let's see what the Proverbs of the Old Testament, which is the book of Proverbs, let's see what it says about this. Proverbs 19.3 People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Isn't there just truth in that? Church. To experience growth. To experience freedom from sin. There has to be a taking of responsibility for our lives, for our actions, for our thoughts, for our patterns. There has to be a taking of responsibility. Without that, there is no growth. And we've got to have growth. How else can we place our lives in God's hands unless at some point we have taken them into our own so that we can freely lift it to Him? That's what the Lord wants. A lifting of our lives to Him. A lifting of our shortcomings to Him. A lifting of our sins to Him. A giving, a surrendering, a free passing from ourselves to Him. So let's answer the question. Where does temptation come from? Verse 13 again says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So we know this. Temptation does not come from God. So where does temptation come from? 1 John chapter 2 tells us in verse 16, For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not the Father, but is from where? The world. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Temptation comes from the world. More specifically, temptation comes from selfish evil desires that have been allowed to fester and grow inside of us. That's the honest truth. That's where temptation comes from. It comes from something that is not rejected, not turned away, not evicted or kicked out, but, it, but it's allowed to take harbor in our hearts, to take harbor in our minds, the possibility, the thought pattern. That's where temptation comes from. So let's take a moment and talk about what temptation is and what it is not. Is temptation a sin? Is temptation a sin? Let's see what the Bible says. Hebrews four fourteen and 15. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So the answer, I heard it over here, No. Temptation is not a sin. But giving into temptation is. Temptation is not a sin because Jesus was tempted. But he did not give into temptation. So temptation is not a sin. It's what we do with it. Temptation truly does begin with a thought of something that you've considered. That you've entertained. That you've considered doing. And it becomes sin when we dwell on it. We dwell on the thought and the desire. And at that point, we allow it to become sin. Does that make sense? Like a snowball rolling downhill, sin grows more destructive the more we let it have its way. So I've asked Ron and JJ to help me with the demonstration. Let's give it up for Ron and JJ. All right. So in this In this uh, demonstration, Ron represents temptation. JJ represents our efforts to withstand temptation. So if you guys can just kind of get into that, that first position there. If we allow temptation to gain speed and gain momentum in our lives, It's hard to stop. If we allow momentum to gain speed and momentum, then no, don't fall yet. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. See, temptation is tricky. It'll crush us. So let me ask, JJ, can you stop the fall of temptation from this position? No. So how can you stop temptation? Okay, now I want you to go ahead and, and fall temptation. Okay. Push it up. In case you guys on this room didn't see, JJ just closed the gap. He closed the gap. Instead of being back, waiting here, he closed the gap and went right here. So when Ron fell, and I told Ron, put your weight into it. Fall. Like I once let him strain a little. So those of you that saw Jay, he was truly strained. But when you're that, when you don't give it momentum, when you don't give it room, then temptation can't overcome us. It's when we give room. It's when we give place. It's when we entertain it. It's when we say, I'll be all right. I can, I, I'm strong enough. I can come out of this unscathed. Chris. Kendra. So let me take it a step further. So turn around, temptation. JJ, get close. But now let's just let's just help you out. Come on, guys. All right, you guys can be seated. Chris is whooping temptation. Hey, you show temptation who's boss, Chris. You show him who's boss. See, God doesn't call us to walk through this life alone. He doesn't call us to just catch the weight of all of us on our own. But you guys, we've got to invite others. We've got to invite participation into our lives. We've got to invite fellowship and unity and brotherhood and sisterhood. We have to include it. So, in this example right here, to say, hey guys, this is something I'm facing as a temptation. It hasn't crushed me. I haven't succumbed to it. But I'm letting you know, would you help me close the gap on this? Would you help me push this away? We think we've got to do it all on our own. And we think we've got to do that because if we confess to temptations, people know how jacked up you really are. You know, that's what, that's what our fear is, right? That if, if someone knows the mean thoughts that I'm thinking about saying, that they're going to know that I'm not a sweet. Look, well, we already know that. But being honest and vulnerable with, with, with some people who are close to us that we can trust, it's a beautiful thing. It brings freedom. It puts up guardrails so that when we're driving close to that edge, we're not in danger of going over the cliff. We can't allow temptation to gain speed and momentum in our lives. As demonstrated the best time to stop temptation before it has seized us, before it has overtaken us, is to stop temptation before it is too strong. It is to stop temptation early. Temptation progressively leads to death. This is what the Scripture says. Temptation progressively leads to to death. Temptation is a seduction of the flesh that if not death and removed, it will lead to sin and it will lead to death. I'm convinced the things that that we act in very rarely are they just sins of passion, if you will. Like on the spot, thought never occurred to me. I can't believe I... I can't believe I did that sin. I I never once thought of doing that. That's bull. That's bull. I don't buy it. I don't believe it for one second. I think the the huge majority of sins we do are sins we've entertained. What's an example? You know what? One of these days, I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind. One of these days, I'm going to let them know what I'm really thinking and blah, blah, blah. So what happens one day? You do. You go off and you berate them and you slam them and you tear them apart and you... You you just satisfy what you've already been tempted with, what you've already entertained, what you've already allowed to seduce you, because we think that will feel really good, right? That will feel really good. That will satisfy my flesh. If I do that, that will feel good. And let me go off on that person. And it might feel good for that long until we're like, what a chomp I am. Ah, See, the enemy wants to seduce us into these things that that the lie is it will satisfy. It will satisfy our flesh. It will bring pleasure. It will bring satisfaction. And that's crap. That's a lie. That is not true. Sin doesn't satisfy, but maybe for that long. It brings death. The result is death. We see in this scripture, That there is a progression to sin. So let's read verses 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You guys, this is a powerful section of scripture. This is truly powerful. We have got to grab a hold of the truth of this, and we got to arm ourselves with the truth so that we can be effective in withstanding temptation. So here's the progression that we see in those two verses I read. Number one, we allow we allow and develop lust in our hearts, in our minds. We allow and develop lusts in our hearts and minds, and there's a name for those lusts. You know what? You know what Scripture calls them? Our lusts. That's what it calls them. Our lusts. Our lusts. are mine. Those are mine. How are they mine? Because I, I, I kept them a secret. Because I entertained them. Because I gave them a home and welcomed them and said, Come on in. Just quiet and sit still in the corner and don't cause any trouble. But you can stay. They're our lusts. That's what they're referred to as. Pull that passage up one more time. We've got to see this. He didn't carry it away. Enticed by his own lust. I don't want to hear the devil made me do it. They're ours. When we don't immediately evict them, they're ours. When we don't kick their butts out and push them out, they're ours. Our secrets, our indulgences, our fantasies, our allowances. Number two, tempted by our own lust, those things we've allowed Number three, we are lured out, drawn out, enticed, and seduced by those personalized and allowed lusts that dwell within our hearts and minds. If you read this passage, and I have word for word what every word was in the Greek, because it helped me to gain a picture of what this this whole message is saying first of all it is it is very sexual in nature it talks of enticing and seducing and and it uses the word for enticing like someone who would lay a trap who would bait a trap, who would tempt with a trap for the purpose of then so it's not just enticing but it's, sub- it's enticing and carried away It speaks of a seduction. It looks good. It smells good. It seems good. It seems fulfilling. It seems enjoyable. But there's a seduction that takes place in it. We are lured, drawn out, enticed, and seduced by those personalized and allowed lusts that dwell within our heart and minds. Number four. Those personalized lusts become intimate with us. They become intimate within us. Even to the point of being compared with a sexual act. We read this passage, that's what it says. It becomes intimate inside of us. There is a, there is a physical oneness act that takes place with, inside of us. There's an ungodly merging that results in pregnancy. Pregnancy that results in something being conceived. That's what takes place inside of us when we allow this. Let's just keep that scripture up the whole time. That's what takes place. Those personalized lusts become intimate within us to the point of being compared to a sexual act. They fornicate within us and become pregnant within us. Period. Period. When the lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. You tell me what else it's saying. Five, the result of those things taking place within us is that those lusts then give birth to sin. Five, number six, sin seeks to grow. Anything that's born seeks to grow. Anything that's born seeks to mature and grow and achieve a purpose. Fulfill a destiny. And friends, sin has a destiny. Sin has a purpose, and it is death. So when sin becomes mature accomplished, number seven, the fully grown accomplishment of sin is death. Isn't this deep? This is what means to happen. You guys, it starts with a thought that's not not rejected. See, the devil can't read our minds. We give the devil a lot of credit. We think he can read our minds. He can't read our minds. Satan cannot read our minds. He is not omnipresent, and he is not a mind reader. He can't do it. Okay? So when, when a thought comes there, let's not always just assume that the devil put it there. You know, the temptations are part of this earth. They're part of this world. But we have a choice to reject them or to give them home. So when the thought comes, we reject it. We give it home. When something comes against my marriage that would tear down our unity and our fellowship and our purity, I reject it and I tear it down and I don't give it place and I don't harbor it or give it a home. When it comes, for me, it's satisfying my flesh by, by saying something that would make me feel really good by proven to somebody that I'm right and they're wrong and it's my point to let them know that they're wrong. And so I think that'll, I think that, man, I, that, that sounds good, that sounds right. I've just given ungodly thoughts a place in my life and at some point that's going to come forth. Anger. If you don't reject it, you just allow anger to build and fester. It's going to kill. The result is it's going to be unleashed at some point. Don't give anger a home. I could go on and on and on. Jealousy. Insecurity. Theft. I never, I mean, one time I might have, I don't know, one time I might have spontaneously stole something. I remember I stole an alligator one time when I was a kid, a little rubber alligator. And then we got in the car and all of a sudden playing with a rubber alligator. Mom's like, where'd you get the alligator from? And of course, you know, being a kid, I was painfully obvious so we walked back into the store and she's like you know tells the manager and I don't remember I don't remember what the details were all I remember was this is my son he stole from you please arrest him and take him to jail that's the way it felt I mean that's the way it felt I don't know if that's what the story how it unfolded but you know you know I'm sitting there going oh man do I get to keep the alligator in jail do I get to take this with me at least you guys, we, we give thought to things. We give plans to things. We devise a scheme. Think about all the Ocean's Eleven moments we have in the different parts of our lives where we just we devise and scheme and make plans. You guys, this right here is the battlefield. Right here. This is the battlefield. This is where the battle is won and lost. Right here. In our minds. What we allow. What we meditate on. What we think on. What we, what we chew on. This is the battlefield. Right here. This is where it takes place. What we allow. That's why the Bible says those things that are pure, that are lovely, that are noble, that are praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on these things. We've got to cast out and reject even the thoughts that lead to temptation. James 1.16, the next verse in our progression says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren don't be deceived don't be deceived my friends do not be fooled do not be tricked do not think that the devil is anything less than an opportunistic roaring lion who will take every inch as a chance to devour to steal to kill destroy talked about, we give the devil too much credit? Do. We do. There's a lot of things that he can't do. But if we walk over to this door and we give him a crack, he has rightful place to come in. He has rightful place to come in. We've given him place to come in. We've given him an open door into our lives. He's got to be ejected. He's got to be kicked out. Same thing with those thoughts. You know, there's times I'm sure I've looked foolish, but I've had a thought, and even knowing the devil can't read my mind, I still say I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I could, I just, I envision the devil going, "What? What did you rebuke? What did you rebuke? I want to use it against you." I give no place to it. I don't give a home for it. Do not be deceived. Do not take this lightly, is what James is saying. After he just got done saying all that and used this incredibly vivid imagery of seduction and pregnancy and birth to to sin and death, he says, Don't take it lightly. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. I find that powerful. I find that powerful that at the end of this progression, James says that. I find that incredibly powerful. I find it awesome that James feels the need to slam down the exclamation point of saying, Don't be deceived. So, what is our solution? What's our defense? Well, I will say this. The best defense is a good offense. Broncos put up 48 points tomorrow. That's a pretty good defense because Kansas City's not going to match that. A good defense is a strong offense. Colossians 3.5 says this. So put to death. The sinful earthly things lurking within you, put them to death. The sinful evil things lurking within you, put them to death. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Friends, we put to death the lust of this world by not being a worshiper of them, by craving them. Young people, I'm sorry. The flash in the pan, one-hit wonder stars that you see on TV, movies, and, and, and music. Don't crave that. Don't desire that. There's nothing fulfilling in that. Outside of Christ, I'm telling you right now, there's nothing fulfilling inside of it. And I'm not just saying that blatantly. I'm saying it from experience. Put to death. I think that's pretty clear, right? But check out this offensive maneuver. 2 Timothy 2.22 Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, love faith, love and peace. But check this out. Pursue those things with what? With those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Flee from lusts, pursue righteousness and do it with those who call on the Lord. Just as Kendra and Chris came up With J.J., we push those things away. Guys, one of the offensive weapons we have is to pursue godliness with others. To pursue the things of the Lord with others. That is awesome. So one of our best weapons in assaulting the enemy is to pursue God and His ways with Jesus-yielded, Jesus-serving, Jesus-loving people. And we do have a word for that. Church. Church. We do this together. we do this together. I, I feel sorry for people who don't go to church and, and who are Christians and they say they don't need church, you're fooled, you're fooled, you're deceived. don't be deceived. we need this we need each other. we need to pursue God with others. that helps us in fleeing from these things. If I share with a brother, hey I, this is an man I'm, I'm tempted in this area I haven't done it. That's not an indictment on my life. That's an honest saying, hey, this, this is just what's the temptations there. Will you hold me accountable? Will you stand with me? Will you have my back? Will you go back to back with me so that the enemy can't get me from the front and the enemy can't get me from the back? That's accountability, guys. Accountability is that exact thing. It's will you, will you stand behind me so that no matter what side the enemy comes, we're covered. We're called to do it together. Temptation, let's not make those lusts our own. Temptation then has no hold on us. Jesus overcame all temptation. Why? He didn't own any of them. He didn't own any of them. He didn't allow those thoughts to to become sin. He didn't give them home. He didn't give them residency. Friends, we shouldn't either. Let's have a huge eviction party. A huge kicking out of thoughts that we have allowed to dwell in our minds. Let's kick them out. Let's write them down. Let's kick them out. Let's expose them. And let's kick them out. These are the thoughts that I just haven't kicked out. I've let them take home. In my heart, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. That means look at me. If you're entertaining thoughts about who you are and you're believing the lies, you are giving place to lusts of this world. Because they're lies and their deceptions and they're not true. Kick them out. If the devil and, or this world brings things against you that tries to tear down your identity, you kick them out. You don't give them place. You don't agree with them. Non-young people. The rest of us. Same thing. In our marriages. What are the things that we have thought ill of our spouses? the ill intentions we've assigned oh she just does that to just get on my nerves she does that just to greet on me chalkboard stuff don't don't give it home because it's going to come forth at some point it's going to come forth in an ugly blow up don't give it home things of a sexual nature don't give it home movies, internet, don't give it a place don't give it an open door Guys, let's be offensive in our defense, okay? And let's do it together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, that we're not without answers. Lord, we thank you that we're not without weapons, that we're not without strategies. Lord, I thank you that we're in this fight fully equipped to whoop, to win, to, to be victorious. Lord, we thank you for your word which makes it real clear what the enemy wants to bring forth by entertaining ungodly thoughts and lusts and desires. As I'm praying this, friends, if you agree with this prayer, then just you pray it right there where you are. But Lord, we, we evict those things that we have given home to. We evict those thoughts that we have allowed to take residency in our hearts and in our minds. Things about you, God. Things that are not true as to who you are. We rebuke them in Jesus' name. We reject them and we cast them out of our minds and of our hearts. Things that we have believed about ourselves. Things that we have given home to. In the name of Jesus, we cast out. We say, be gone. Lord, we repent of those things and we come into agreement with you, Lord. And the life of that we have in you. Lord, the things that we have allowed habitation in our hearts and minds about your church, or about your leaders, or about ministers, or about ministries, Lord, things that tear down, Lord, things that that rob of life. In the name of Jesus, we break agreements. We evict them. We kick them out. We say, be gone in Jesus' name. We do not entertain those thoughts any longer. those secrets those fantasies those indulgences those things we've allowed we've we've allowed just a little bit of room just a little bit of space in our hearts for them just a little bit of space in our minds in the name of Jesus we say no more no hidden secrets no hidden fantasies or indulgences no hidden sins In the name of Jesus, we cast them out. We rebuke them. We take responsibility for having given them place. And with that same responsibility, we say, no more. We close the door on you. You cannot stay. Lord, we flee from evil. And we run to you. To your open arms of grace. So right now, I just speak grace over every person in this place. Amazing, unmeasurable grace to consume each person, to fill each spot where anything else has resided. Your grace, your acceptance, your love, your strength, your spirit. In Jesus' name. With all eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I just want to make this quick offer. It's a free gift of salvation that you can't earn. You can't earn, no matter how good you are. But it can be received by believing in Jesus Christ. And then by confessing Him as Lord. By saying, I make you the boss. I give you the reins. I make you Lord of my life. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that He is Lord and confess with your mouth the same, then you will be saved. Is there anybody here tonight that wants to receive His grace to a measure that you've only imagined? That wants to receive the fullness of life to a measure that you've not even comprehended before? Is there anyone here tonight that wants to declare what they already believe in their hearts and because you believe it, you couldn't be talked out of it? So the next logical thing to do is to declare it. Is there anybody here that says, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life? And I want to make that declaration to the world. If that's you, just shoot up your hand and lock eyes with me and we're going to pray together. Is there anybody? Lord, I thank you for the person in this room, Lord God. And I just speak your abundant blessing over each one of us, Lord. In our marriages, in our families, in our lives, in our friendships, in our work, in our pursuits. Lord, you are at the center of our lives. Lord, you are our lives. So, Father, we just receive your blessing, your goodness, your favor, your peace, your wisdom. And we believe it all. We believe it all. Nothing less than the full abundance of a life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.